I'll say yes. Man, thank you, Elder, for that. I'll say yes. You know, the question is not whether or not God is leading. The question is, are you willing to follow? Are you willing to say yes to the Lord? Yes to his will, yes to his word, yes to his way. And my brothers and sisters, I want you to know there may not be a better time of the year to make a commitment to say yes. Not the first of the year, end the year strong so you can go into the first of the year with some spiritual momentum. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on the word today. Father, thank you for today. I pray now that you will bless your word as it goes forth. I pray that somebody will hear from you and in hearing from you will say yes to you to respond to your call, to your commands in a way that is pleasing in your sight. And may this message help them to get where you want them to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm in Israel, and my wife informs me that the one thing she wants to make sure she gets before we leave Israel is a nativity scene from Israel. And so we go to the old city of Bethlehem, or the old city of Jerusalem, and I go to a shop that I have frequented before, and I ask him, I say, hey, listen, man, I know I've been in this shop several times. Uh, do you have any nativity scenes? And he smiles and walks me around a corner, and there's a wall full of nativity scenes, various sizes, various images, various prices, and he says, take your pick. I'll give you a good deal. And so as we're looking at these nativity scenes, I'm looking to see if what I deem to be all of the elements are there. Uh, I'm looking for some animals or animal images. Uh, I'm looking for the wise men. I'm looking for some shepherds. I'm looking for Mary. I'm looking for Joseph. And of course, I'm looking for baby Jesus. Now, here's what's interesting. In every nativity scene, the smallest item that was part of the nativity scene was the baby Jesus. The smallest item, not because of his theological significance, but because of his physiological size. But here's what hit me as I am looking at these different nativity scenes. What I realize is that the nativity is really not about any of the things I'm looking for. What I realize is the nativity is really a worship scene. Now, this might strike some of you as a little strange because think about it for a moment. Who goes to a manger to worship? I mean, if you were going to go worship, if you were going to go give God glory, you wouldn't pick a barn. You wouldn't pick a manger to go worship. You would pick a house of worship, a synagogue, a church, a temple. But my brothers and sisters, because of the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, because of the presence, 
his entrance into the world, this manger becomes a place of worship. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about worship in the unexpected. Worship in the unexpected. Many times in life we are looking for particular people or particular things to, uh, if you will, fulfill our expectations of what we think things should be and what we think things should look like. And I submit to you that there were some people who missed Jesus when he came into the world because he required worship in the unexpected place of a manger. There are some people who miss him today because the Lord doesn't show up the way they think he will or the, th- the way they think he should. But in our text today, God gives us some insight into what it takes to worship in the unexpected. Our foundational text is Luke chapter 2. I want to read several verses to you and share this point with you as we worship the Lord this Lord's day. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 4, the New King James translation reads, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying, which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. 
Let me quickly read for you Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. These shepherds out tending their flocks, these wise men who saw the star, the star of prophecy, make their way to the city of David. They make their way to Jerusalem to worship the Lord. And they recognize something that you and I need to always remind ourselves of, that worship is not limited to or tied to a place. It is tied to a person. Imagine if they had said, well, no, 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 we, we can't go worship the, 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 this new coming king because he's not in a church, he's not in a synagogue, he's not in a sanctuary, he's in a manger. He's in a manger. We can't go worship in a manger because you don't offer worship in a manger. But Jesus, in his coming, teaches the shepherds and the wise men that worship can take place in the unexpected. Because watch this. The criteria for worship is never a place, it's a person. That's why we have to understand that worship is a lifestyle, it's not an event. Uh, many of us were challenged early on in COVID-19, and there were those who were questioning the faith of Christians saying, hey, if you have faith, you ought to come back to church. And how are we going to worship the Lord if we don't go to church and, and we can't worship him on a digital platform? And I beg to differ because there is nothing biblically that says God cannot be worshiped on a digital platform, on your tablet, in your home, on your job, or wherever you are. Jesus said it himself, God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, even when the place of worship where we are comfortable worshiping is not available. The person that we worship is always available. The Lord says you can worship him in unexpected places. And look at the first thing. Worship in the unexpected can include any and everybody. That's the first thing you've got to see today. Worship in the unexpected can include any and everybody. Look at A. First, you need to come to Jesus. That's the first thing that's required in order for you to worship. And whether that move is a geographical, physical move, or it is an attitudinal shift that needs to take place and an acknowledgement that he is Lord and you are not Lord, you need to come to the Lord. You need to make a step to the Lord. They came to Jesus. They came. The shepherds came to Jesus. The wise men came to Jesus. There was not a requirement for the Lord to come to them. No, they came to the Lord. Now you might be asking, preacher, why are you saying that? 
Well, it's amazing even though we intellectually realize that we need to come to God, it's amazing how many times we want God to come to us. What do you mean? I mean, we want God to come to us in terms of giving us what we want. We're not looking to change to obey God. We want God to accommodate us. Meet us where we are and help us get to where God wants us to be. <coughs> and God says, no. God says, you've got to make a move. You've got to make a shift. You've got to make a move and a shift to move from where you are to where God wants you to be. That's worship. When you stop requiring and asking God to bless you where you are and you move from where you are to where God is blessing. If the wise men, if the shepherds had stayed where they were, they would have never seen Jesus in his full glory. They had to be willing to make a move. But watch B. Not only do you need to come to Jesus, B, you need to present yourself to Jesus. You need to present yourself to Jesus. The text says they came, they fell down, and they worshiped the Lord. They, they turned that barn into a sanctuary. They, they turned that event into a worship scene. They, they fell down and, and paid homage uh, to the Lord. That, that word for uh, worship, proskuneo, means to prostrate oneself in homage. It is one who is inferior, recognizing the superiority of the one that is in their presence. And they recognize that even though physiologically he was an infant, Theologically, he was the born king of kings and the Lord of lords. Look at Matthew chapter 2. Let's go back to verse 3. <clears throat> when King Herod heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Verse 4, and assembling all the chief priests, and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. I want you to think about this. When, when, when the Bible shows us worship in the unexpected, I, I want you to look at who was invited to worship. Uh, poor, smelly shepherds were invited. They were invited to worship that, that worship scene around that manger. But, but it wasn't just poor, smelly shepherds that were invited. The wise men came to worship. Those who were socially acceptable and welcome in the king's presence were welcome in the presence of the king of kings. But guess what? The Lord shows us that worship in the unexpected 
is open to any and everybody. Uh, think about this. All people could come to worship. That's what we see in Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 25. The Bible says, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people to Israel. Unexpected worship makes room for poor smelly shepherds. It makes room for the socially accepted wise men. It makes room for the old, but it doesn't stop there. It moves beyond socioeconomic status. It makes room for women to come. Look at what the Bible says in Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 36. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Israel. Women who were considered second-class citizens, guess what? There was room for them to worship the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. I tell you, smelly shepherds could worship. The socially acceptable wise men could worship. The old could worship. Women could worship. But another class could worship him as well, and that was the children. Children could worship him. Age-appropriate worship could be given by the children for this same Jesus. Matthew chapter 19, beginning at verse 13. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. I need somebody to know, I don't care who you are, you can make your way to the Lord and you can offer him worship. And here's the beautiful thing about worshiping the Lord. It doesn't matter what other people around you think. Their opinions don't matter. Their criticisms don't matter. Their evaluations of you don't matter. We come into this season, and isn't it amazing how we can minimize what this scene is really all about? As a matter of fact, I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, that when we start thinking about Black Friday and, and Small Business Saturday and Cyber Monday, that we're not thinking about this worship scene around the nativity. We're not thinking about 
how we will bow at the manger. We're thinking about what we're going to put under a tree. And my brothers and sisters, that's the last place we need to be, especially in this season. Can I tell you why? If you don't have anything to put under the tree, if you have no one to put anything under your tree, if some gifts will be missing because some people will be missing, that should never put a damper on your Christmas celebration because we celebrate not the stuff. We celebrate the Savior. The manger because the center of worship. Now, I know for some of you who are sophisticated, I know for some of you who think, you know, you are all that, that manger scene might be too low for you. After all, that's not a place you would go to worship. You wouldn't wear your fine clothes and your fine suits and your fine outfits to a manger to worship. You wouldn't go to a barn to worship. But I have news for you. If the manger is too low for you, the problem is you are too high. The manger should be a place where everybody can come because guess what? It hits all of us at our lowest common denominator. See, the truth of the matter is Jesus is accessible to everyone in the manger. He's not accessible to everyone in the palace, but he's accessible to everyone in the manger. And so let me close by sharing this with you. Unexpected people can worship the Lord. Good people, bad people, rich people, poor people, people who are in, people who are out, learned, unlearned, everybody can come and worship the Lord around the manger. That's the power of worship in the unexpected. Because when God opens up the opportunity to worship, he truly says, whosoever will, they can come. And my hope and my prayer for you this Christmas season is that you see that nativity scene in a whole different way. You see it as a scene of worship. And you make up in your mind that for you, this Christmas season, more than anything else, will be a time of worship. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. I pray now for your people that they would make sure worship is the first thing on their Christmas list, that worship is at the center of their Christmas celebration, that worship is their priority this holy day season. I pray that your word has found fertile ground, that we would be not just hearers, but that we would be as well doers of your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. I'm grateful to God for all of you who are watching today. And let me just say to those of you who are watching and you may be feeling the lead of the Holy Spirit to make worship your priority and to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior.
If you want information on how to ask the Savior into your life, I want to give you an opportunity to tap into that information. Go to our website, goodhope.org, or download our app, Good Hope MBC, at the Google Play Store or the App Store. Download the app and click the button, I want to accept Christ, but how? I will walk you through in a video how to ask Jesus Christ into your life so you don't have to wonder or guess whether or not you are a Christian. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have asked Jesus Christ into your life. If you have made a decision to ask Jesus Christ into your life and you want to know what to do now, then go to that same website, look at that same app, and click on the button that says, I just accepted Christ. Now what? And we'll give you some steps on what you need to do to begin this Christian walk with the Lord. And of course, if you're looking for a church home, we would love to have you part of the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church. Here's the wonderful thing. You can unite with our church on the digital platform and we'll help facilitate your discipleship wherever you are in the world. As a matter of fact, I want to encourage you, put it in the chat box. Let us know where you are worshiping from. We have some people worshiping in some 130 countries around the world. And we would love to help facilitate your discipleship wherever you are. Now, remember, if you'd like to support our ministry, you can do so in one of a multiplicity of ways online. And uh, you can give. All of these giving methods are secure. And it will help us to do the ministry that God is calling us to do. I want to thank God for Minister Mark Sloan, our Director of Missions, and for his team that have made a second trip to the Louisiana Gulf Coast area to bless those with those things that you have given, money that you have donated through our Stuff the Truck program. We are providing relief for those who have been in the areas devastated by Hurricane Laura and Hurricane Delta. And man, it has been such a blessing to be a blessing to others. And there are many that we have been able to touch who have just been shocked that we would come from Houston to bless them financially. A team of brothers who have been going out, helping people with minor repairs, helping them clean up things. And if you've ever been in a situation where you have just been overwhelmed and you know you had stuff to do, but you just didn't have the emotional energy to do it, man, it makes all the difference when you have people come alongside of you who are willing to help you get it done. And so I'm grateful for Pastor Sloan and the brothers who have gotten that job done. And I want to say thank you to them. Also want to thank those who participated in our family movie night. Each month we do a family movie night, and this this month we did a Charlie Brown Christmas and a Jingle Jangle. And I want to thank those families who came out and participated in our family movie night. Uh, just to create some fellowship out in the parking lot with a big screen. Uh, kind of like those old drive-in movies. And it was a great time. We've done this in the past and we'll continue to do it in the future. Uh, we might let it warm up just a little bit because the next couple of months are going to be kind of chilly. But I want to thank all of those who came out, the family members who came out. I want to thank Dr. Birkins for the tremendous job that she's done with the I Hope 
kids corner and getting our children involved, getting them actively involved in their discipleship. Man, grateful to God for all of them. For our volunteers who have been serving, man, we've been serving uh, thousands of people every month through our food pantry as we see food insecurities going up. And uh, we're thanking God for those of you who are supporting this effort and our partnership with the food bank and grateful for the volunteers who are coming out and serving and making such a powerful difference. Uh, last but not least, um, our small groups, most of our life groups had taken a break for the holiday, but if you'd like to register for a life group, you can do so by going to our website, Life Groups. Life stands for Living in Fellowship Every Day. And this is a way for you to connect, whether you are here in the Houston metropolitan area or you are anywhere else in the country or in the world, you can connect with a life group. Heck, you can start a life group, and we would love to show you how you can facilitate the discipleship and growth of others along with your own personal growth and development. Remember, God is doing something wonderful in you, and I pray that this Christmas season would be a season that you would experience a recalibration, a reset of your spiritual compass to make sure, not that you're pointing due north, but to make sure that you're pointing your life to the Lord. All right? God bless you. God be with you. Remember, God is doing something wonderful in you, and God is doing something wonderful in me. Until next time, God bless. Don't forget, check out our devotional every day. Let's have Christmas. Bye-bye.